Darkcast Network. Welcome to the dark side of podcasts. Change happens when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change. Hello and welcome back to True Crime Connections Advocacy Podcast. My name is Tiffany and I'm your host. Today I'm here with Sean Coffey, who is a certified recovery support worker in New Hampshire. And uh, you got a lot of stuff to talk about with us today. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. You are also the author of the book, Boys Do Cry. I love that. Mm -hmm. Because real men cry. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it took me a while to figure that out. Um it came from this woman in the UK. Uh she is amazing, but she did a woman's version of this book uh and I had a friend of mine that w- that was in it and she was like you should really reach out to her. So I did and honestly, I think like I was working in substance use a little bit, but that the book really like catapulted me into the field and also was the spark that kind of started making me look inward, you know, and really trying to figure out who I was. And, um, I can tell you with absolute certainty, I didn't really know. Um, I didn't find out for a while after that book, but it was that, that seed and it kind of feedback from it was just like, men who I've known for a long time who just cried or who just were like, dude, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, okay, now I know I'm onto something. So we're actually working together now on a, on a new book. Um, and it's a, the, the boys do cry was like a compilation or like a, you know, it was like 12 other 12 guys. Um, and this one is pretty much just myself. So we're, we're still, she's, she's sticking around. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes that's all it takes is to kind of somebody else to share what either they were going through or something that's happened to them. And you're like, oh, shit, I can identify with that. Mm -hmm. And then down the rabbit hole you go. (laughs) I needed somebody to to push me to kind of, again, uh, taboo, but like to light the spark, right? Because I grew up in a household where showing emotion was something that you did not do. And if you did do it, the repercussions for that intensified, um, you know, tenfold. And, uh, so I'm 30 at this point, I'm in my thirties and I can't even identify like sadness. I can't identify that, um, something hurt my feelings and that's why I'm angry. All I knew was like this secondary emotion is like my home. Like I'm angry all the time. It doesn't matter if something before that startled me or made me sad. Uh, it, it, it was just like, F you, I'm, I'm angry. Like, and that, and that's it. I believe that was a result of me trying to show emotion and it being met with that kind of, um, abrasiveness from, from, you know, from a caregiver. And that's one of these things that's like, the person that's supposed to love you the most and show you this outpouring of affection and teach you how to show emotion and how to, to process and, and, and everything. Uh, this guy was just like a, a board, you know, it was just like, there was nothing. And, um, that's how I learned how to be. And I am a very empathic, very sensitive um, person. So growing up, not having an outlet to do any of that. Um, when I was able to write, I was like, man, this is great. You know, I <laughs> get this, uh, I get this all out. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's crazy to even say, but the, j- the books actually helped me just as much as I hope they help other people. So that's the beauty of it. So many authors that I've had on my show, they all say like, literally a lot of it was like, they're saving grace in a sense. Mm. You know, that's another way that they were actually able to pull out emotions that they forgot or didn't even know that they had. Yeah. I mean, I've been in therapy now, gosh, I think like four or five years. And this guy is unbelievable. Um, And I've just come into myself, figured out 
emotions uh like in his in his office and he's like how do you feel and when i first started with him i was like i'm i'm fucking pissed you know like whatever and he's he's like okay let's back up and and now it's like he's like how do you feel and i'm like you know when this happened i felt hurt and then this happened and this happened and it's just like mind-blowing that you know, even my parents, they're just like, who are you? <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I, I, it's like when you, when you say like, um, you're just tired of being sick or, or, or you just go get help because it's like that, it's like that rock bottom. And this was just like, I felt like this for so long that actually being able to say like, I feel hurt or I felt anxious. It takes away that I'm angry, but also it makes me dive more into myself. Like, okay. Like, you this situation happened and and you felt hurt but like what were the precursor emotions and 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 stuff and and so it's just it's it's a wild ride right because like this this little kid from some podunk town in new hampshire who had a really like rough upbringing is now like i feel like on a rocket ship of like self self exploration it's just it's crazy so uh, sometimes i can't even really put into words but but um like through the podcasts through the books i chose to get out of the field for a little while and maybe we'll talk about that later but but um you know i'm still connected to it and really it was like i'm going through my own stuff but now i'm working with clients and i'm having to go through their stuff and when i figured out after 10 years of that like okay i need a break the most amount of of growth for me has happened in in this last year and so it's even better than than it was i just told you three minutes ago so so it's it's just it's crazy just like when you open your mind up to like change and like uh i forget who said this and i know tony robbins did but i don't think he said like the thing but like change happens when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change right i know that's a lot but when you get so fed up with hurt that change seems like a better option then you do change and you're like, man, why didn't I do this before? And that's that old like hindsight's 2020 kind of thing. Oh, for sure. The important thing is once you start, don't stop. Yeah. And I mean, I tell clients too, it's okay to stop, you know, just, and it's okay to look into your past, but I just say like, go back there to, to find out what you need for right now, but don't stay there. Um, Cause you'll just end up, you know, going backwards. So um, live your life a footstep at a time. That's like one of my, my mantras. I like that. Was your father a military man by any chance? He was. He was in the Air Force in the late 70s, early 80s. He had schizo... I want to say it was schizoaffective, which back then was like a mixture of bipolar and manic depression. And now they just call that bipolar one and two. Um, It's just like lumped in, right? Uh, But he had schizophrenic episodes with bipolar. And then there was that manic, um, you know, manic. And so you can imagine trying to live with somebody or somebody in that capacity is trying to teach you how to be a productive member of society, (laughs) you know, but um, yeah, he, uh, he was actually getting medicine. I don't know if he got kicked out. I'm not really sure that worked, but I know he was getting medicine shipped in like on the down low he wanted to be a pilot and he, yeah. So, so, um, well, we lived in Washington. Then, um, uh, my parents split up around like age two and then we moved over to the East coast and, and I've been out here pretty much ever since. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, definitely probably not the best person to take advice from because they hearing shit and seeing shit and it's a whole nother thing. Yeah. You know, but the flip side of that is I did learn a lot from him. I learned what not to do. I learned not how to not raise a child. I learned that even somebody who has significant mental health challenges can still be loved by, you know, somebody. And that was like probably one of the biggest things for me growing up was like a love-hate relationship. There's so many lessons that 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 taught me you know, just, I spoke about it just a second ago, but I would ask myself all the time, how does this guy who's supposed to be like the person who takes care of me doing these things? Uh, like, like it was all like physical abuse and, you know, emotional and and mental abuse. And I mean, I remember even growing up, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And I'm like seven years old. I'm like, why are you, are you an adult? Like, you know, and, and just like, 
not knowing which way is up sometimes. And he would, uh, he would have these ways with you that just, he could demoralize your, like your soul, you know, in a, in such a way that was so bad. And then three minutes later, it would be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I love you again. You know? And so I learned this whole push pull to say that I I've ever had a positive relationship. Um, even friends or whatever, it's, that's a far cry because to me, relationships were always one-sided. And, uh, with my dad, I was always waiting for that shoe to drop. And it was just like, Oh, something's so good. Like I got to run away from it. So platonic relationships. I mean, I'm in a relationship right now, and this is the, the only successful relationship I could say in my 44 years that I've, I've ever had. And it's due to therapy and like, and all these other things, but, um, it's crazy the amount of relationship relational trauma um that people don't even really know that they have um and you could think that your parents were great and you live in an affluent area and you can have so much relationship trauma you just don't know it so it's actually been fun to try to unravel that and um my girlfriend and i have really good communication now but it's like it's almost like a game it's like oh man i can't believe i reacted that way why did i do that and then it's a you know a back and forth and uh you know then she's got therapy and I have therapy. So we, you know, do the se- separate things, but I can finally say like all the podcasts and the books and like the work and all that, it's, it's, it's paying off. Cause I actually, I used to talk a big game, right? Because when you're so used to appearing okay on the outside, you could trick the trickers, you know, like you're really good at, at bullshitting. Um, and so I could be in the worst episode or the worst moment in my life and you would have no idea because i've had to put on the mask you know the whole time where now i'm like i put this mask over here like i'm really hurt like how do i you know fix this so it's, it's a little bit different but it's actually uh it's really cool when you can pick and, and choose what what you want to do or how how you how you are how you present yourself and now i'm okay with just being like man I, i've had a really shitty day like I need a little bit or, you know, I need some extra support. And like, that's stuff that I never used to do. I never used to ask. It was always waited for people to reach out and I'm like, no, 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 I'm okay. And they're like, you know, just take it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a whole push pull thing, but, but now it's like, I can actually stand up for my needs and, and speak up and not, and be, af- and not be afraid. And the biggest catalyst for that was my therapist said, like, out of everything, words aren't going to physically hurt you. When you get in an argument with somebody either at work or at home or your, you know, my daughter or whatever, I used to shy away from arguments or not say anything just to avoid conflict. And I used to, that was my thing. And now it's like, I can say like, Hey, like something's a little off or this doesn't feel right. And I don't feel like that shoe's going to drop. You have to, cause if not, it just builds, it builds and builds. And then eventually, you know, there's a spill on the floor and you freaking go batshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. I I actually do. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So you had said that you were homeless for a good chunk of the time. A long time. How did that come to about? Uh, So the short version of that is um, I got removed from the military forcefully. (laughs) that was the nice way to put it um and uh i had gone back to colorado um where my dad was living uh and realized very quickly that uh that time away i was like man i never want to live with this guy again like you know like here's my time and space so i came back to i'm in new hampshire now but i came back and um shortly after i moved to new hampshire my dad got sick uh and he had passed away and i moved back to colorado um, to take care of all of his stuff. Uh, all of his stuff came with a $50,000 life insurance policy and a 21 year old kid who never got taught how to do anything with finances was like those stars, like the commercial, you know, like the cartoons. I was like, yes, so 50 grand. I had a fleeting thought that like, maybe you should put this away or buy a house. But then I was like, it's a really weird feeling, right? Because I love to hate him just from our, our past. But when he passed away, I was like, fuck, like I, I, love that guy you know like there's all these mixed emotions and um i had nobody at that point uh, or i thought i did and so i went downtown colorado springs the wrong area and um that turned in that that started my 
my harder drug use. Um, up to that point, it was probably like weed and alcohol, maybe cocaine here and there. But with 50 grand, you can buy whatever you want. You know, I walked to the back of an 18 wheeler in Pueblo, Colorado and banged on the back of it. And this guy dropped off three pounds of meth. Um, and I started my drug career, I guess you would say with three pounds of meth, which turned into heroin and crack. And it's probably easier for you to say stuff like for me to tell you stuff that I haven't done, but I was that whole time I was searching, right? I was searching for something that was going to take this pain away. I was still looking to take the pain away from childhood. I didn't even want to think about this guy dying um, because I was, uh, I was still messed up from growing up, you know? And uh, I ended up in a closet at the, like, like a real closet, but I ended up in this closet in, in these people were looking for me. Um, same people that I got the drugs from and, and my girlfriend at the time kind of thwarted them. And she came to that closet after they had left and was like, you got to get out of here. And so I took a bus back to, to New Hampshire. I was okay for about a year, found out that I was a really good DJ. And, um, of course being in clubs all the time came alcohol and then rave drugs and, and, you know, ecstasy and ketamine and all this other stuff. So that was like a four year relapse. And I started to get really good. And this guy was like, um, you know, if you want to be serious about it, you got to stop, stop using. And at that point I had already tasted what recovery felt like. And I was just like, this isn't worth it. Like I, uh, you know, and, and so I smoked weed here and there, um, never really drank again, but 2008 was like the, the year that I kind of pulled my head out and I was like, this is not, not good. And, uh, 2000, I lived in transitional housing, but the, the homelessness really started in Colorado when I had gotten that money and you'd think like I could, I was hotel hopping. I was doing all these things, but I didn't have a, I didn't have a home base. I didn't have a house. I didn't, you know, it was like safe houses or trap houses or, you know, d different stuff. And, uh, when I came back to New Hampshire, this, this New Hampshire is very veteran, veteran, very f veteran focused. And there was a program here for veterans that gave you two years in a, like a homeless shelter pretty much. And that's where I've got my first substance use job and they're like well you're you're sober you're doing really good um how about you try to help other people and i was like okay you know not even thinking that i was like a put together i shouldn't never have been helping other people in that state right i mean i was already sober so that wasn't the problem but it's like you ever see a baby try to teach a baby how to walk? It's like, it doesn't happen. And, and that's really, I right? that's what I, that's what I felt like. Right. I'm like, it's like the blind leading the blind. Um, I've read books. I can talk very well. I speak very well because of the way that I had to carry myself and just the, the multiple situations I had to get myself in and out of. So I faked it to make it for a while. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, New Hampshire gave me, um, this classification that was called, uh, chronically homeless and when you're chronically homeless in this state they just roll out the table and so i got um a housing voucher through the through the va uh that basically was a housing first model i don't know if you guys have that where, where you are but it basically means that they'll they do whatever they can do to house you um so i was late like four or five months on rent they never kicked me out they worked on it and said this is how you you know do these things they taught me life skills and then 2020, I actually ended up being a case manager in that transitional housing that got me on my feet. So it's, it's all, you know, full circle, but yeah, about 10, 10 or 12 years, um, I couch surfed or, uh, hotel hopped or slept outside. Very sorry to hear about your dad. First of all, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, you know, rough. <laughs> yeah. So many people talk to me about it and I just say like, I hate to say this, but when he passed away, our relationship was so tumultuous that it was actually more of a godsend than, than anything else. Like that, at that point I could breathe, I could grow, I could be myself. I didn't have to live under his thumb. I wasn't his kid anymore. I was my own person. Um, and that really helped, but he, uh, you're going to ask what he passed away from. No, actually I was going to ask what happened to your mother. Oh, uh, so she and my dad split of course i know now a lot more than i did before so um their their home life was very bad worse than he ever you know led me on but he and her split up 
I think around five and we moved and my dad did everything in his power to keep her away from me. So, um, I would say for, from five years old to 23, I may have seen her three months. Oh, wow. Now, that whole time. Um, and he was just like, your mom, your mom doesn't want to see you. Your mom doesn't want to, uh, you know, plane tickets. He took me to the airport one time and made it seem like he bought the tickets. But when we got to the airport, he's like, um, you know, we had to leave the airport. Like, it was just, just weird, weird stuff. But he, uh, he was so vindictive and so mean and so angry towards her for what, whatever reason. And nobody will ever know that he wanted to make her life hell. And the only way that he could do it was by putting me in between both of them. How this guy got physical soul custody of me is beyond, beyond comprehension. But I mean, I, in talking to my mom, you know, we have the most amazing relationship now. Um, my stepdad is more of a, a dad than, you know, my real dad was this guy. I've heard stories of them, my mom and my dad doing drop-offs and my stepdad being at the side of the house in the bushes, like making sure nothing happened. Like he's that kind of dude. Um, my dad, uh, kid basically kidnapped me on a visitation, took me from Washington to Oregon. Three days later, the sheriff showed up. My stepdad was right there. Like he was the one that went into the, the campground and was like, what, what the, fuck, you know? Um, so it's a great relationship now, but, but sh yeah, we, we both got kind of separated and I, you know, it's, it's like, you're like this, like dad's over here. Mom's over here. You're just split apart. And it's like, when you're with your mom, you got to talk shit about your dad. And when you're with your dad, you take shit about your mom. And very confusing for me because I didn't know who am I supposed to love? Like, I, I hate my mom at this point because like, I I'm thinking from his words, she's doing this on purpose come to find out when I'm 23 and, and, you know, my dad passed away when 21, but we really started talking a couple of years after that. And, uh, I just had to really say like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I told her how I really felt. And she was like, I don't blame you. Like you've been told this one thing this whole time. Um, childhood trauma sucks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, uh, and to me, I didn't even know the word trauma. I didn't think it was trauma. I just thought like, man, I'm just this jacked up kid who just has this shitty life. And like, I just got to put my bootstraps on, pick them up and, and go. And, um, you know, thank God for this mental health boom. Cause I'm like, now I understand myself, you know, hundred percent pod match too, because like, just even just coming on these pods and just talking about this stuff is just, like, you know, you get so much more out of, out of that as well. But, but yeah, so she, she and I've had since I was. 25 been rebuilding that there was a point where my sister and i my mom had a, a daughter from marriage previous and uh we used to be inseparable and there was a 14 year period where we didn't talk and i used to tell my mom all the time if i do anything in my life it, it's gonna be like get get the relationship back with my sister a couple of years ago we were doing vacation and uh we just exchanged numbers started talking and now my sister and i even have like a relationship and so it's just like slowly but surely you know things things are things are happening but but yeah well it's so important you need that you do yeah and i mean even now like sometimes we go a month or two without talking and i'm like shit Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm really sorry, but, but that we get it. Like, that's just, it's just how it is. They live in Washington. Uh, they actually back in Washington. And then I, I have a, a stepbrother as well. So we're kind of all split apart, but we, we talk, you know, more than, than we ever have. So. Well, that's great. That makes my heart happy. <laughs> <laughs> so what does your life look like now? Now that you've been going to therapy, you've been helping other people, like what worked for you the best and what did you try that did not work at all? I would, the biggest thing for me was that, um, I was able to let go of substances fairly easy. I mean, I, I chose to get sober in the early two thousands. So they didn't have like, you couldn't look for a rehab, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't, you could look for a therapist, but I was like, I'm not going to see one of those 
crazy freaks. It's like $80,000 just to what sit there and drink coffee and tell me that I'm fucked up. Like I, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I told my therapist this too. And he was just like, how do you feel about it now? And I'm like, man, was I wrong? But, um, the single most greatest thing I did was forgive myself. Uh, and, and that's where it started and forgiving myself. I'm going to get emotional, but forgiving myself for the way that I spoke to myself and, um, the many, um, times that I was just super confused and I had no idea. Um, I finally just said to myself, like, like, it's okay. Like you, you know, you did the best that you could and I can't go back there. Nobody can go. You can't go back and change me. You can't go back and change you. And so that's the second thing is realizing that I, I, and this still, I have trouble with, but I have to be in right now. I have to live today. I can't live from yesterday for most things you can live for tomorrow. You know, like, what am I going to have for dinner? Like, am I going to go on vacation? But like, to be honest, like those relationship, like arguments, they pop up or uh, disagreements with friends or whatever, they pop up in the minute. And you're just like, okay, like now I can say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to think about this. Like I, I can apologize. Uh, you know, there's so many different things that I know. So forgiving myself, you know, was big. And then therapy, I bit the bullet and I was just like, this, my therapist was like, man, when you first came here, we couldn't have a 10 minute conversation. You were just everywhere. Um, and I screw this up all the time, but he's saying objective and I used to be subjective. So he would say like, you hover above this conversation and like, you don't go down, you don't get into it. It's like, I'm asking you how you're feeling. You're like, well, you know what? So yesterday, <laughs> you know, it's like a oh, squirrel. Um, <laughs> but, um, he's got me to calm down and I, I went through medicine and, and that's, this is probably the third or, or fourth thing is that I used medicine the way that I believed it was supposed to be used. And I learned the skills. Um, I had a toolbox. I said, I don't like it when this happens. How do I fix it? And I've been able probably four or five medicines I've been on. And, um, I haven't, I haven't been on a medicine for a year. Um, and so that's, that's the other thing. Like some people will need to be on it for a while. Uh, and, and, and that's cool. But I think with the way that the drug market and pharma and the push for, you know, like this, people are monopolizing this mental health thing. And it's like, if I can teach you how to react or that's the wrong one, if I can teach you how to re <laughs> right, right. To re to respond. My mom is going to talk to me about that later, but, <laughs> um, to, to, to respond. Right. And, and not react. Or I can say like a breathing technique or motivational interview yourself, or just these different things that we can do. Like I can understand chemical imbalance, but if you understand why you're doing the things that you're doing and, and how to not do them, the medication can honestly, like it can go away. I mean, there's a time and place for it. That's, that's for sure. Like I was depressed for a long time. Um, and I still, I had an anxiety attack the other day, but they go from lasting a week and to now, like I can get out of one in like 40, 40 minutes or even faster. It just, it just depends. But like, it's like sitting down, breathing, t t you know, doing the, the senses, like all these small little things. Um, so therapy's huge. And then even above all that, like ho hovering above all these things is community, um, for me. Community is huge. Which I used to be a loner. I used to be a loner. I was by myself. I was just like, how do I do this? Y you can't. You cannot do it alone. You can't. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And and asking for help. I mean, God, we could we could do another 42 minutes on just like the things that you can do to to get out of these things. Um, so therapy and then just I did so much research. Like why? why like on google like why do i respond this way why do i react that way um this isn't a plug either but there's a app called rosebud and i would love all of your listeners to know this because it's an it's an ai so i talk to it like uh it's a journaling app right and instead of me just i mean you can set it up to where it's just the prompts and you just use it as a journal but i could say like um Tiffany called me an asshole today and I don't know how to deal with it. And it would literally say, wow, that sounds like you had a hard day. I commend you for responding the way that you did or, uh, but it would have, it has a conversation with you. It's validating and it's kind of like bolsters 
good communication and thought processes. And it's crazy, but it's like $4.99 and um, I downloaded it. I started to use it when I don't have therapy, right? Because I can't just call him and be like, hey, uh, I, I need you for two hours. Um, so in lieu of that, I, I said, well, okay, I'm just going to use this app now. And it was just a journal at first. And then when I figured out how lucrative it was, I showed it to my girlfriend and she was like, yeah, you've actually sounded different in like the way that you're responding. And I'm like, yeah, it's right here. Now she has it. And when she doesn't have therapy and we have, we'll sit in the same room and just be like, we're having trouble conversating and we will just journal in this app. And all of a sudden there's like this magical conversation. That's like, wow, is that, it was really that easy. Um, so yeah, journaling, uh, anything mental health, but, but if they're going to take first steps, I would honestly say, be forgiving to yourself, find help. Even if it's a friend at first, even if you have to have 50 people talk you into going into therapy, like I was this big proponent of like, I'm not going to therapy. I'm, I'm not, my, my mom would be like, you need therapy. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not doing this. Like that's a lot of money just to sit on a couch, but the guy literally changed my life. And now I'm, I tell everybody like, you should probably go to therapy. <laughs> like, so that's. Do you have a story of survival? A parent goes to residential school. You know, they haven't had that family connection. Those traditional values and ceremonies that, that many of us exposed to are taken. Or have a lost loved one that was involved in human trafficking, exploitation, missing or murdered? My name is Jasmine Castillo, and I am the host of Hands Off My Podcast that brings to the forefront, specifically from Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color. Anderson County, one What's the location of your emergency? Ma'am, what's going on out there? You're saying a baby's missing. As well as nonprofit organizations. When I was a prime investigator five years ago, um, we picked up a case that was Shanice Harris' case. That help and advocate families of lost loved ones with their closure. From some time from his shift at work to that next day, he was either robbed or apprehended at some point with someone coming into the restaurant. And opening a cold case. So that, to me, was his, his way out. And it negatively impacted our money's investigation. Please join me on Thursdays on any podcast platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are voiceless no more. Was he your first therapist? Because so many people will try one. And then if they don't like it, they're like, oh, they're all they're all that way. And it's like, no, 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 no. Try again. I went through. I went through five. Okay. See? Yeah. I, I sat, I, I sat in, and, and, you know, it was the crappiest part was like, I relived all this trauma, right? They do a thing called a biopsychosocial, which is like, when you first sit in there, they go through your, how are you at age two? I don't know. Like, when's the first memory, like age seven, which I found out a lot of people's memories started at age seven, which was, was really weird, but you go through this whole thing about your high school and your background. And then they're like, okay, now we can do therapy. So like, I go to this one guy and I'm like, he's really old. Uh, he sounds like he's reading out of a, a Britannica <laughs> an encyclopedia, you know, like he was just a really old guy. And then I had a female and I figured out that like, now I could see a female, I think. But when I was doing that, um, I, when I first started, I still had like animosity towards women because of the, the whole upbringing. So, um, but yeah, like for, for all the, the people listening, like it's not going to work. It may not work out the first time. And if you're an addict, uh, you know that it takes at least five or seven times before you may actually really grasp the idea that sobriety is something that you want. So don't get discouraged. Uh, cause like I said, it, it took me almost six months and in, in five different therapists to find this guy. And then I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And luckily I held on to the right one. That's great. Right. I always try to tell people you cannot give up just because somebody doesn't fit there's so many different other ones. There's so many different modalities. There's so many different things to try. You can't just throw in the towel the first time. And don't go and not be honest. That's the worst thing you could do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can sit in his office and say like, dude, I bamboozled you the first three months. Like I manipulated the shit out of you. And like, I apologize for that. I don't do that anymore. But like, where did we grow up from? You know, but the, the, going back to the, the therapist and like, don't not giving up. Like the thing that helped me was like, 
if I stop this, I'm not giving up on him. I'm giving up on myself. And I, I, I've given up on myself for my entire life. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down with that anymore. It's just not, not conducive to me growing. So like, if you don't like me, you're screwed. Cause I'm staying in the seat. Uh, and, um, he, he, I mean, I moved, I moved away to Florida, like shortly after COVID for a few months, because, um, I just, uh, I had to go through some mental health stuff and I, and I chose to go down to, um, I lived in, um, in Palm Bay for five or six months. Uh, and then I, I, I came back and through that whole time, he was able to do video and, you know, and everything else. So, uh, he is, I would single-handedly say that I could definitely credit him for changing my life and he would say you could credit yourself because i didn't do the work i just showed you the map to get (laughs) 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 so thanks a lot the um the the and then i guess the things that didn't didn't work were just um trying to do everything myself right i don't have all the answers but i've told myself that my entire life so you have to have them there somewhere like go through all these things well drugs proved that they're not the 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 best because they only hide things until you're done being high and then you have to go back and you know and and um, i haven't really i don't think i've or i can't recollect like a, a a lot of different things that i've tried because it's it's almost like 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 this ball that just bounces inside of you you know and it, you can't go out anywhere um and and everything that i knew how to do was internal so maybe that's the other thing is try to look externally. This, this book that I'm, I'm working on now, the, the concept of it is that everybody carries around a backpack full of trauma and they continue to just to throw crap back there. Uh, well that gets heavy and you can't move. Um, so you take stuff out, you throw it on the side of you and you keep walking, but then you realize like you still have to turn around and pick all that shit up and deal with it because like it's still there. Like there's no, like, it's not like a hole in, in the bottom, you know? Um, but I did find out that the, the bottom of that backpack is where the power to transcend your life is, right? Like, so it's about taking these experiences and looking at them at face value, figuring out how to work through them so that they don't have to go back in there. Um, and you have more room to put more, <laughs> more in <laughs> at the end of it. But, but that's just, that's literally what, what the, the book is, is about. So it's, um, you know, and it's just like my, I guess, kind of my journey through taking the stuff out of my backpack to where I feel the lightest that I've, that I've ever felt. So I, I can't really say that I, I've done a lot of stuff that didn't work. Just the stuff that I chose was like, um, masking. And so I would say that's the biggest thing. Like, don't mask it, like realize there's a problem, then say that there's a problem. Don't lie to yourself. Cause if you lie to yourself, you're going to lie to everybody else. And a lot of people that are going through addiction and trauma that, that they are professional liars because we have to, right? We don't want everybody to know what's going on or whatever else, but like, be true to yourself. And that, that's really, that's what I can say to, to kind of start that journey is just forgive and keep going. Recognize. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's the hardest part when you got to look at yourself and be like, wow, you know what? I really have been through some shit. Mm-hmm. And to really do analyze it, because it's going to actually teach you so much about yourself, why you do the things you do, why you might act the way you act, why you say the shit you say. Yeah. You're, it's like your aha moment. Like, oh, shit, that's where that came from. <laughs> you know, so you need that. You have to. A hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, it's it's. You have a million of those aha moments and um you realize that like okay there's a million more and now it becomes like where's the next one like when you start this journey and you i can tell you wholeheartedly whenever i first identified the first emotion in the therapist's office by myself i wanted to stand up and do a backflip um i would have ended up in the hospital so i didn't but (laughs) i was so happy like just with myself like it was uh I think it was like, um, I thought my first emotion was anger, but it was actually that something that made me anxious. And I got mad because I, uh, in a split second, I just got startled and I was like, Whoa, you know, I was mad. But like, once we unpacked it, I was like, I was scared at first and being scared caused me to be pissed off. 
and I, and then I was like, oh, but I identified my first emotion and I can guarantee you that when you get in there, even if you don't go to therapy, like uh, talk to your friends or whatever, but when you start this journey and like things just start to go good, it's like you want to sprint, you know? You can't obviously because <laughs> it's a very like it's a crazy windy road that just you know like you you don't know w- which turns are are next but like that becomes your new addiction right like thriving off of those moments like br- I tell my best friend I'm like 42 I'm like dude I'm sad <laughs> I'm like yes I'm sad and we're like what are you talking about and I'm like. I'm sad it's like a movie like the rain this is coming down and i'm just so excited and i'm just like ah sad but um for somebody who's never been able to do that it's like liberating you know yes um so yeah you just ride the coattails of your own success and that that's that's basically what's taken me through the last six years isn't growth amazing yeah yeah totally um because it's it's not only is it amazing it's contagious uh, and I, and I found that out like people see you taking steps and then they see you at like a bad moment and you took 15 steps backwards, but then you jumped those 15 and you moved another 10 and they're just like, how it's like, I grew resilient somewhere. I don't know. Like, well, yeah, you grew up in your childhood. You just didn't realize it. And so like for everybody listening, like you're so much stronger than you think. And like this rubber band is, is so much stronger than you think it is and like when you pull it back you will shoot yourself forward and like you have to be prepared for that but i promise you like walking through your own shit and coming out on the other side is the most amazing thing that you you could possibly do for yourself and do for the people that love you and that's just my little piece of heaven i guess i don't think i could have said that any better (laughs) yeah i mean and you deserve it Everyone deserves to be happy and to be an active member in society and to be loved. You know, that's what everybody wants and that's what everybody deserves. <laughs> you know, it's hard to talk to kids um, about trauma, especially in like high school or something, you know. Um, and it's, it's not hard, but it's a little bit like you can't, you know, go too far. But I've started a like a speaking business and sort of with this writing uh, aside and I go to high schools and colleges and then I I do um compassion fatigue and burnout for like clinicians and stuff I love that and that I think that's like the biggest give back for me because I know that if I went through it and then I'm talking to say a 11th grade class with 250 kids there has to be at least 40 of them that are going through something pretty similar and and um and not talking about it and not telling their friends and it's just like that's why i do it because they know like okay i'm going through it right now but like there's there's lights or for that hour that i'm talking like somebody you can tell too because they they joking around with their friends and you say something that catches them and they're just like you know like intentive and prevention is where i think i should have been the whole time um and and so now that's really kind of where my focus is uh and it's just giving giving these lessons back to kids who don't have a voice because i went through a department of child and family services and granted it was in the late 80s when they were like don't give a crap about kids like what are you talking about um because we went through there three times and they they just said it was horseplay uh that's the other thing too is that like what do you do when like the people that are being paid to take to to keep you safe are just like oh your dad's just joking with you it's all right you know but prevention to me is huge because I can reach a million people that are using substances and it, and it's great, but like getting to a kid who doesn't have a voice or who's dealing with that same crap that I dealt with at home, who can't say anything or who can't get out of it. They, they can now see like it does happen to other people. And, um, I can, maybe I do give them the power to go and say something to the guidance counselor or hopefully not to stand up to their, you know, their parent, but, but at least drop it, drop the, the knowledge for them and, and just kind of like be a, a support from afar, I guess. Uh, so, yeah. 
I love that because it is, it's so important. And that's kind of like where I've started going with the podcast as well is let's stop it before it starts. Because I mean, like the saying, you know, hurt people hurt people. So that's why we have all these people walking around shooting up shit and they're hurt. They're hurt for some reason and they never dealt with what is hurting them. So if we can start healing people at a young age, that's going to prevent a lot of this craziness. I agree. And um, on the the backside of that, I tell people like so many people like, oh, uh, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Like, okay, well, text me later. The fuck is that going to do? Like, um, well, on, on Facebook, somebody's like having an issue and you see 42 comments that are like, I'll reach out when you, you know, like I'm, I'm always here. Reach out when you need me. Like, why do we stop reaching out or telling people to reach out? And why don't we reach in like that? That's the whole thing. Like I, I'll stop right at that point and call them if I have their number or instant message them and say, here's my number. You can call me at any time. Like I get calls at three o'clock in the morning sometimes. And oh, I'm really sorry. Like, don't worry about it. I'll, it's, it's okay. Like, you know, um, for that moment, like, I know that you're getting stuff off your chest, but like, there, there's just this culture of like, reach out if you need anything. And it's like, I do. And I'm fucking telling you, I do. And you're, you're like, you expect me in my darkest time to be like, Hey George, I have a problem. And it's just like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. That post is them reaching out in a sense, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And then the other, the, the last piece I think is just like, um, I tell people all the time too, is just so many people have stigma or, um, they have an idea of what a homeless person looks like or what they, how they act. And it's like, they're all drug addicts. They all live on the street. They all uh, like, there's a lot of people that are experiencing homelessness in my town and they have degrees and, and, you know, they're, and, and it's like, you just never know what someone's going through. So I always say like, be a part of the solution. You're on Facebook and these social medias and telling all these people like uh, all this crazy sh shit about how bad substances are in your neighborhood and people dropping needles. And have you ever stopped and talked to one of them? Have you ever found out the story of somebody uh, who probably is going through something similar to that that you may have gone through and a period of time in your life that you made it through that you could literally just sit down for five minutes and speak to them and give them your two cents and walk away from it and feel like you did something rather than looking down your nose at them saying what pieces of shit they are. Like, it's just, I don't know, but that's just me. Cause there's, there's a lot of it in our, in our, in our area. I mean, you see it all the time and you see it all the time and people are just kind of naive to it or, you know, you don't give them money that you know what they're going to do with it. Yeah, maybe. But on the off chance that the guy's telling me the truth and, he goes to the McDonald's and buys 15 burgers for him and his homeless people that are at the camp. Like, you know, um, so I don't know what they do with it after I give it to him, but I know that I, if they do go and do what they say they're going to do, or, you know, I did something and, and it's coming from a place of like, when I said I needed $5 for food, like that's what I used it. For. I, I wasn't like, uh, I wasn't using drugs at that point. I just was lazy and i and that, that's god's honest truth and if i can get by off of mooching off of other people at this point and you know not having to take responsibility for myself that's what i'm going to do but when you become that productive member of society and you learn that these things like you don't do that shit anymore and so that's why i say become a part of the solution because like i've taken a bunch of people experiencing homelessness to 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 food to water and that's where the crazy conversations, you know, like this is, how did this happen to you? Like, oh my gosh. And they, and they tell you, and that's like, do you know, you can go here, like to this pantry, to the soup kitchen. Like you've never been to the soup kitchen. It's right down the street. Let's go. Like, that's what I mean about like being a part of the solution rather than like looking down your nose and just talking shit or sharing with the Karen that lives next door who also feels the same way that you do. Uh, it's just like, it, there's, it doesn't do anything for it for anybody. So Yeah. I'm getting off that soapbox, but <laughs> <laughs> well, for whatever it may be worth, I am proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it takes a long time to say that too, because sometimes you just don't, you know, you don't believe it. And I say this to, to hosts as well, but like without 
people that have your drive and your vision and want to do what you're doing, people like us don't have a voice. I mean, we do, but you know, not on this type of platform where somebody you just click a button and listen to rambling for an hour. Um, but <laughs> my hope is that, that at some point in the last hour that, that somebody, one person, two people, five people, but whatever, but they gravitate towards our words and just realize that like, there's a whole world out there and you just really have to go grab it. Absolutely. It ain't going to come to you. <laughs> so, so just like you're, you're proud of, you know, proud of me. I mean, we're, I'm not, I don't say I'm proud of you, but I'm happy that you chose to do what you're doing. Cause you're giving people like myself the, the voice to be able to help shift generations and that, and that it's unspeakable. Thanks for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what would be the best way? Um, I have a, a website. It's just uh, seancoffee.com. Um, and then my Instagram is uh, like a willow tree, willows underscore runner. Um, and that is, it just has, uh, there's just moments where I think of something and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to put that down. So I'll find a quote and I'll tie it into something that's happened in my life or, you know, just like motivational kind of inspiration stuff. Um, the website has a link that you can buy the, um, you can buy the boys do cry book. I'm glad we didn't talk about that too much because we tend to do that. And then they're like, well, I don't want to buy it because I just heard everything. Um, but that <laughs> kind of that, that whole story in, in the closet, the backstory of the military and, and like all that stuff's in there. There are a few other podcasts that that you can, you know, listen to, but yeah, just my website and the Instagram pretty much. Perfect. I'll make sure I put links in the show notes. And was there anything else you wanted to add? No, I mean, we covered a lot of ground in this time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Thank you so much. It's in inspirational and, you know, anyone can do it. You just have to put one foot in front of the other yep absolutely um and in until you do it you're going to keep wishing that you did and so uh, just make the decision to do something different today than you did yesterday because it's uh that very first step into the water or even dipping your toes in like somebody's got to push you um it's just a lot easier if you just jump in yourself so. all right awesome well thank you so much for being here i appreciate your time thank you I think we all know somebody who can benefit from this episode. Please make sure to share it with them. And thank you guys so much for listening to my podcast. This really means a lot to me. If one of my episodes has helped you in any way, I would really like to know. It's important for me to know that the work that I'm doing is actually helping people. If you want more of me, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me on Instagram and TikTok. If you or anyone you know is in need of national hotlines, please go to truecrimeconnections.com. I have all the phone numbers there listed for anything that you could possibly imagine. All right, my renowned Roots community, keep building hope and gaining strength. Until next time. Thank <laughs> you.